0: Welcome to Coffeehouse Questions. This is Ryan Pauly. Thank you so much for joining me today as we are going to be discussing the topic of Christian exclusivity. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the fact that it's exclusive, it, Jesus is the only way, is that a hateful, intolerant thing for Christians to believe and proclaim? How do we understand and deal with this? I think most of you listening go, of course not. Well, why not? Uh, how do we make sense of this and how do we explain it to other people? Now, over the last few weeks, I've been doing some different training events with students. I was at Alpine Summer Camp back on the beginning of July, end of June. I also was on a Hume Lake trip in June. I went back to Alpine again to work with high schoolers uh, just this week before this comes out. And then actually, right now, as this podcast is coming out, I'm with the Church Everyday upper elementary students at their retreat going over this idea of truth. Now, again, this is going to be the topic of a few things coming up in the future, and so this really has been on my mind as I've been working with students and actually getting a lot of questions from students on how do we explain this understanding of Jesus being the only way in the pluralistic society that we live in. How do we explain this in a way that makes sense, that people can understand it, that Jesus is the only way, not all religions are the only way uh, or the way, and not all religions are talking about the same God. And that. The Christian God is actually different and distinct. So that is what we're going to be discussing in our episode today. And in fact, the day I'm recording this, I actually just finished giving a very similar talk with a group of high school students. And it was really cool seeing how their minds were just, man, that understanding maybe came into their minds as they went, okay, this is something I've always believed, but now I have a way of thinking about it that helps me understand why I believe this, why this actually makes sense. And now hopefully I can go out. Share with people who believe something different and help them understand the exclusive nature of Christianity as well and why it's not hateful, why it's not bigoted, uh, it's not intolerant or anything of that nature. Now, before we jump in, a few little things to catch up on, as uh, it's been a little bit since I've done this, as I've posted some interviews and different things lately. I hope you'd enjoyed those, by the way. Uh, but I'm going to be gone in the next few weeks. Uh, speaking, as I just mentioned, just finished at Alpine Summer Camp at the Church Everyday Camp, back up to Hume Lake uh, at another retreat. But on July 28th, I will be preaching at my church, actually, on Revelation 3, 14 to 22, uh, in the passage on the Church of Laodicea. And so I'll be covering that. It starts at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning at uh, For His Glory Community Church in Fullerton. So if you're in the area, I'd love to see you there. Uh, Then again, I'll be teaching some high school classes there, back up to Hume. But ultimately, I will be at the Rethink Student Apologetics Conference hosted by Stand to Reason. That is on September 27 and 28 at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. And if you sign up before August 3rd, I believe the tickets are only $35. They go up to $45 after August 3rd. And last year, the conference actually sold out. So I would strongly encourage you to get your tickets early because if you wait, there's a very high probability in the fact that it sold out last year and it had grown every year previously that it will probably sell out sooner this year. So make sure you grab those tickets. All right, so now on to our topic today, and that is the exclusive nature of Christianity. Is this a hateful, intolerant thing? How do we make sense of this? Well, in order to make sense of it, we first have to start with an understanding of the nature of truth. Now, we have talked about this a lot on the show, and so we're going to go over it quickly, but we have to understand about the different types or kinds of truth. And the first kind of truth would be a subjective truth or a relative truth. And when you think of a subjective or relative truth, you think of ice cream. This is an opinion, this is a feeling, this is just a belief that is held by the subject, the person, therefore it is a subjective truth. And this is going to be relative in the fact that it changes from person to person. So my favorite kind of ice cream is v- is uh, Vietnamese coffee or coffee ice cream. Uh, if you want to ask from where, from After's get the Vietnamese coffee ice cream from After's ice cream. It's the best. But someone is going to disagree with me on that. And they're going to say no, it's chocolate chip or mint chocolate chip or cookies and cream or something else. And in this kind of disagreement, we simply say, well, that's just your opinion. Right In one of my talks, I discussed this idea of pineapple on pizza. And for some crazy reason, this is considered one of the worst toppings, like top three worst toppings for a pizza above anchovies and mushrooms. I don't understand that. Pineapple on pizza is my favorite. But someone is not going to say, you're wrong. No, a subjective truth cannot be false. No, I can lie about it. But if I say pineapple pizza is my favorite, you can't say that's wrong. No, it's not. That is my favorite. These sort of things cannot be false. Now, on the other hand, there are objective truths. And when I teach this to students, I always say to think of medicine, right? When you think of antibiotics curing kind of a a bacterial infection, or when you think about your arm being broken, if a doctor does an x-ray and says your arm is broken, you don't respond and say, that's just your opinion. No, guys, your arm is broken, whether you believe it or not. If you believe that your arm is not broken, you're wrong. If you believe that you're fine, if you ignore it, it's just going to get worse. And even an objective truth is true or false. They can be false, by the way, right? So uh, I will give you some examples here coming up. But you can make a false statement like, I am in Colorado right now. Well, that is objectively false. I can compare that and say, no, I'm actually in California. So it is wrong. But it's still not just based on my belief or my opinion. So an objective truth can be false, but it doesn't change what we believe. It doesn't change on what we feel. And I don't even have to be able to prove it to you as we'll hear in a second. And so we have to understand this because in the objection that that Christians are hateful for making exclusive claims, it is because people have put religion into the realm of a subjective or relative truth claim. And so the way that they see it Is that you saying Jesus is the only way and all other religions are false would be the same as you saying coffee ice cream is the best and all other flavors are objectively wrong. And obviously that would be a crazy statement to say this is the only true flavor and all other flavors are wrong. But what you see is that there's a worldview difference. Oftentimes, the person making this objection is going to be coming from a secular worldview, one founded on secularism and scientism that possibly even says that scientific science and the hard sciences are the only way to know things. And so because Christianity and religion is not a scientific knowledge, it's theological knowledge, that it cannot be scientifically proven. Therefore, it is relative. It is subjective. And so making the claim that Christianity is true, everything else is false, would be the same as making that claim about ice cream. And so it makes sense why they would bring this objection. But hopefully what I'm about to show you and we're going to discuss is that it's not in the category of a subjective truth. Christianity and all religions make objective claims about the world. So what I want to do with you really quick and as on this show, as I try to show is I give you practical tips that you can use maybe with your students, your children, uh, whoever it may be, or you just think through as a student or an adult or whoever you are listening is that I'm going to do what I normally do with students and give you the objective or subjective truth test. So you're just going to think to yourself as I kind of read this off and then I'll give you the answer. So if I say that guy's shirt is red, is that objective or subjective? Well, if you guessed objective, that would be correct. Right now, it doesn't matter which guy's shirt. No, it actually doesn't. Because to say that shirt is red, I'm making a statement about an objective reality, so an object outside of myself, his shirt. And the color of his shirt does not depend on my feelings or my beliefs. So if I'm pointing at a guy who has a green shirt on, then obviously that would be a false statement. In the same way that I mentioned that objective truths are not always true, they could be False. Now, what if I were to tell you red is the best color? Well, that would be subjective, right? That is based on an opinion because someone could think another color is best and there's no standard by which to judge what color is actually the best. The next statement, tropical island vacations are the best kind. Well, if you answered subjective there, you would be correct again. Uh, not everyone likes tropical islands. Maybe someone likes a mountain vacation. This is simply someone's preference. Next one, two plus two equals four. Well, that is an objective statement. It is four. Now, here's where we get an important point. Truth is exclusive by definition. Two plus two equals four. Every single other number is wrong. You say 4.2, that's wrong. You say five, it's wrong. Ten is wrong. A thousand is wrong. A million is wrong. And 10 million is wrong. Negative 500 is wrong. Everything else is wrong. Was it hateful that that's exclusive? No, that's just how truth works. Now, obviously, we have to be careful in how we talk about this, right? If little Johnny in first grade is studying math and he writes two plus two is seven and the teacher goes, hey, class, Johnny wrote two plus two is seven. Let's laugh and mock him and how dumb that was. That would be strongly and wildly inappropriate. But at the same time, if the teacher went over and said, Hey, little Johnny, two plus two equals seven. Good job. That's true for you. Congratulations. 100% on this test. We would say that that's also wrong. That's also inappropriate. That teacher probably shouldn't be teaching. There is a way in which we understand truth and then also should expose other people to that truth. Our goal is not to humiliate and to mock, but if we follow the teaching of Jesus, it is to bring truth in love and in a loving, compassionate way, expose people to the truth and to tell them that what they're doing is right when it's not, is not a loving thing to do. And we'll actually maybe see that a little bit next week as we hopefully are talking about one topic that I'm going to be discussing. All right, next one. Uh, I rode my bike 150 miles in one day. That is an objective truth, right? It's not based on my belief, right? If I believe really strongly that I rode 150 miles, that does not make it true. I either didn't or I didn't based on the fact of me riding my bike. Now, what if I can't prove to you that I actually did this, which actually I did not do it. I did not ride my bike, but what if I can't prove that? It still doesn't matter. I'm making a claim that is outside of myself about me riding the bike. This is not based on a belief or a feeling. The next one, atoms consist of protons, neutrons, and electrons. That would be objective. What about God exists? Now, here's where we start to get a little bit of a pushback. Well, but this is your belief. Well, it is true that I believe God exists, but my statement, God exists, is about an object or a person, an entity outside of myself, Me believing God exists does not make him pop into existence. It is the same way that me believing God does not exist does not make him pop out of existence. This is true of saying Abraham Lincoln existed or anything like that. We are making an objective statement about a person outside of myself, and my belief about that person does not change their existence. The statement God exists is an objective statement fact it is outside of myself either i am right if i believe it or i am wrong if i believe it my believing it does not change the existence of god and the same thing is true when we get into more specifics jesus is the only way to god and orthodox jews are wrong now students often balk at this one and go whoa 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 hold on a second you can't say someone else is wrong well sure you can We did that in the math example, two plus two is four and Johnny who wrote seven is wrong. The question is, how do you say it, right? You don't be a jerk about it, but saying that you're right when you're not is not a loving thing to do. And so if Jesus is the only way, then every other religion is going to be wrong. But if Jesus is not the only way, then Christians are wrong. And Jesus was wrong when he said in John 14, six, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Now, this gets a little bit trickier when we get into some moral issues. So the last two is, well, premarital sex is wrong. Now, as much as you might want to say that's subjective, it's not. It is objective. I'm not talking about simply my feelings about it. I'm talking about the act of premarital sex. That doesn't depend on what I believe and what I think. That is actually right or wrong. Now, this may become more obvious if you use something like murder, right? The unjust killing of an innocent person with, you know, out-justification, Without good reasons, that is wrong. It doesn't, ba- the murderer who says, Well, I believe it's right, we would go, No, you're wrong. There's something that's broken there if you're thinking that it is good to kill innocent people, to murder them. Instead, when you use this idea of, Look, premarital sex, just like murder, I'm talking about the object, the thing, the act of premarital sex, not my feelings and my opinions about it. It is either right or wrong. And then you could use the same thing if it is wrong for women to have an elective abortion. And that would be another objective truth that abortion is either right or wrong. It doesn't depend on what I think. It depends on what is actually true. And so what this truth test does, and I encourage you to use it with your students, is it helps us understand a few things. First is this, contrary beliefs are possible, but contrary truths are not possible. You can believe God doesn't exist and I can believe that he does, but they can't both be true if they contradict each other. You can believe everything is true. You can believe 2 plus 2 is 7 and 15, and you can believe all those things, but they can't all be true. That is not the way reality works. And then finally, objective truth cannot be denied without affirming it. The moment you say truth doesn't exist, you are making a truth statement. So respond with the question. Well, is that true? Is it true that truth doesn't exist? Yes, it is. Well, now truth exists. Or if they say, no, it is not true, well, then it's not true that truth doesn't exist, therefore it does, right? So to deny it is actually to affirm it as well. And so here's why this matters. Or let me give you one less step here. How do we understand what truth is? Well, here is what we've talked about a little bit before, but the correspondence theory of truth. And to me, this is simple. It's, it's a very straightforward way of understanding. It's a very common and, and, and accepted way of understanding truth. And it's this, if you say that something is, and it is, that's true you say it isn't and it isn't, that is also true. But if you say that it is and it isn't, or you say that it isn't and it is, then that would be false. So some examples, uh, the book is on the table. If the book really is on the table, then that's a true statement. Or if you said the book isn't on the floor and it isn't, then that would also be true. But if you said the book is on the table and it isn't, you're making a false statement. Or if you said the book isn't on the table and it is, that would be false. All right. Same thing can be changed. Uh, Change the verb there. I am in California and I am. That's a true statement. If I said I am not in California and I am, then that would be false. Right. So here's some examples of thinking through this correspondence theory of truth. And what this does is it helps us understand what is true. And then we can use the law of non-contradiction that says contradictory statements cannot both be true at the same time in the same sense to help understand what now is false. So for example, if you said the earth is round and the earth is not round, that those can't both be true. So if we know that the earth is round, to say it's a square is false, to say it's a triangle is false, to say it's flat is false, if it's a globe. If the earth is square, to say it's round is false, right? We understand that anything that contradicts that is false, anything that contradicts the truth. So here's where this matters. To say Jesus is God and someone says Jesus is not God, those both can't be true at the same time in the same sense. He can't be God and not God at the same time. So our question should be, which one is actually true? Because at the very core of Christianity is the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. As I mentioned, John 14:6, Jesus said unto them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. This is a huge statement as we begin to think about the exclusive nature of Christianity. If Jesus got it right, then he is the only way, then every single other way is wrong. And we need to help people understand that and see that. But if Jesus is not the only way, then he's wrong. And we also have to understand that as Christians and as believers. So that is the important starting place that we have to understand the nature of truth, how truth works before we get into this conversation and now applying it to different religions. Now, one thing that you have probably noticed, if you follow Coffeehouse Questions is that I love working with students. That is my goal. That is my focus. If you've seen my YouTube videos, the intro says two things, defending Christianity and answering student questions. Those are my goals. I wanted to defend Christianity and then in defending it, I'm answering the questions that students have. And so many of my podcasts are based on questions that students have. Most of my YouTube videos are actually answering direct questions that students write into me. And next week, hopefully, if all plans work accordingly, I will be responding and discussing a message that I got on Instagram from a high school student who was challenged by one of their friends thinking that the Bible uh, supported transgenderism and was asking how to respond. And so she sent me some articles or an article, and I'm going to be working through that hopefully next week if everything works out or in the near future. But I always encourage you to send in those things because that is my goal to answer student questions. And so what we're going to be talking about in the last 10 minutes are questions that came up from students and hopefully applying the concepts and, the, and the, the, what we learned about truth just now to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if you do want to send in questions... Any comments, uh, you can email those at contact at coffeehousequestions.com. Also on facebook.com slash coffeehousequestions, you can send in things there. You can watch the live streams of all my interviews that I have. I, I, you, I Facebook live stream those. Also my calendar of all my speaking events is on Facebook, so a lot of places there to check on what's going on with Coffeehouse Questions. Uh, you can send in your questions also on at Twitter or on Instagram, at RyanPolly3 is my ad there, where again, I post uh, options for you to ask questions. You can direct message me questions. A lot of information goes there as well, or text them in at my ministry number, 714-989-6927. So those are all the ways that, again, I want to be available to you to work through the issues that you have and the questions you have as we defend and stand up for Christianity. So after going through this understanding of Jesus being the only way, a few questions came up, and I want to address those as I talk through the exclusivity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we look at world religions and worldviews, we see that all of them recognize that there is a problem with us. On YouTube, I have a video uh, of me giving a talk titled, Is Jesus the Only Way? And I'm kind of taking this from that. Uh, So you can find that on YouTube as well. But in the worldview curriculum I use from Summit Ministries, they cover six major worldviews, secularism, Marxism, Islam, postmodernism, new spirituality, and Christianity. And each worldview, and most world religions are going to fit into one of these categories, is going to say that there is something wrong with us. There's a reason why there's so much pain and suffering in the world, right? And the secular, secularism, not necessarily religion, but secularism or atheism is going to say the problem is actually religion. And the freedom or the cure for the, our problem is freedom from religion, right? And you see the memes on the internet that say something like, science flies you to the moon, religion into skyscrapers. Now, it's kind of false because... People flew the spaceships that were built using science and math and that kind of stuff to the moon. Also, people flew airplanes that were built using science and understanding of that sort of thing into skyscrapers. So a little bit wrong with that meme, but that's the idea. Science equals progress. Religion equals problems. And so if we get freedom from religion and all the religious fundamentals, fundamentalists, then we will have a cure and we live with peace. Marxism and economic worldview will say the problem is private property. And the reason why people are driven to greed is because they have stuff. And so if we could simply just remove private property, if we can remove the class distinction and make all people equal, then we stop fighting over that kind of stuff and we will live at peace. Islam is going to be teaching that the problem with humanity is that we're rebelling against Allah and that through submission, if we have a global Islamic state, then we will live at peace with one another and stop our rebellion. The postmodern worldview is the worldview that says that there is no truth. And so what their problem is going to be is that they say that people believe in truth. The reason why there's problems is because I think I actually have the truth and other people are wrong. And if we simply live in a culture that says that all people are right, that all truth becomes relative, then we're going to stop fighting. And then everyone is going to just get along because we all just do what we believe is right and we all understand our own perspective and the world becomes a better place. New spirituality is to kind of frame the kind of the new age movement, but also older religions like maybe forms of Hinduism and Buddhism. But their problem is going to be that we think that we're individuals. And if we progress and reach enlightenment and recognize that God is everything and this idea of pantheism, that all is God and that distinctions and me thinking I'm different than you is what causes problems and realize that we're one with everything then that will solve the problems that we have. That the physical world is real. It's really an illusion. And that understanding will help us progress to our godhood. And finally, Christianity, which is going to say the problem is sin, that we are inherently broken, selfish individuals, and that the cure for it is Jesus Christ. There's the gospel of Christianity. Now, there's a few things to recognize as we start this. One, each of these worldviews is making an exclusive claim. Christianity is not the only exclusive religion. Secularism says the problem comes from religion and the cure is freedom from that religion. A postmodern worldview says the problem is that we believe that there's truth, objective truth. And if you let people simply just believe whatever they want and understand this idea of religious, or sorry, uh, relative truth, then the problem goes away. In fact, even the inclusivist is exclusive in the sense that they would say that everyone is right, But the people who think that they're the only right ones, they're wrong. So even they would say that someone is wrong, that the exclusivist has it wrong. And here's the whole point, is that these all can't be true. They are not compatible. To say that religion is the problem, but to say that Jesus Christ is a solution, those can't be both true at the same time. To have freedom from Jesus and also have Jesus doesn't work. To say that relativism is the answer, but that there's only one right answer, Jesus, that's objective, those can't both be the cure. Those both can't be the problem. And so these are exclusive. And this is where a question came up that a few students asked me, aren't all religions talking about the same God? Well, we have to look at the claims of religions and are the descriptions of God compatible or are they mutually exclusive? For example, if I said I know Matthew and you go, I know Matthew too. Well, Matthew's five foot ten. Yeah, Matthew's five foot ten. Uh, he is a t. Te- uh, he's a son. And you go, oh, I know him as a brother. He's a brother of my friend. Matthew can both be a brother and a son. And you go, well, Matthew uh, is a student. Yeah, and he goes to USC. Those are both compatible, right? And so I can say, yeah, the same Matthew is most likely the Matthew that you know, because these things, even though we're making different claims, he's a brother, a son, a student, a USC. Uh, these are compatible claims. But if I said, oh, I know Matthew. And you said, I do too. And I said, well, yeah, Matthew's 5'10". And you said, no, Matthew's 6'5". And I said, yeah, Matthew is a 12-year-old uh, son. And you said, no, Matthew's a 30-year-old father. We quickly realize Matthew can't be a 12-year-old son and a 30-year-old father, 6'5 and 5'10. These are mutually exclusive claims. And we quickly realize we're talking about two different Matthews. Here's the whole point. Even though there may be some forms and ways in which religions do have a similar common ground, they make very vastly different claims when it comes to the person of God. Very simply, Christianity says that God is one being in three persons. Islam will say that, no, God is not three, but he's one very adamantly. Jesus Christ is not God. He's only a prophet. That is very different to say Jesus is only a prophet. And Christians say that Jesus is God. The God is three. No, God is one. We're talking about two different gods for secularism to say that there is no God. And Christianity say that there is a God that is very different for, for, a new spiritualist to say God is everything, pantheism. I'm God, you're God, God is all, God is creation and one with it. And for us to say God is distinct and separate from creation, in fact he even the creator of creation, of all physical things, that is a very different claim that are not compatible. And so these things can't fit together. We're talking about very different gods. Mormonism, God is a God of flesh and bones who was once a man and became God to his heavenly father and is now our heavenly father. That's very different than the Christian view that says God has been God from all eternity. So these are different gods we're talking about. Now, we don't have time here to go into why I think the other worldviews are wrong. you have to watch my video on YouTube for that. And I'll link to it in the description on my website when this comes out. But here's the whole point. Christianity gets it right. And I think for a few reasons. One, the problem sin, I think accurately describes the problem that we have. To say that human beings are inherently broken and selfish and we see this from a very young age. We have to teach people to do well. And even the good things we do often come at from selfish reasons. I think sin and our brokenness accurately describes the problem that we have. But most importantly, it is Jesus Christ that actually cures the problem. Each of the other religions, you can try to apply the cure, but it's either one, impossible to apply or two, we have applied that cure and it didn't fix the problem. When it comes to Jesus Christ, he gave physical, visible evidence that he actually had the cure to our problem. When people brought sick people to Jesus, Jesus said, I forgive your sins. And they said, how do you know that? And to the paralytic, he says, okay, you want visible proof that I forgave sins? Stand up and walk. When John the Baptist's disciples came to Jesus and said, are you really the one that we're looking for? He didn't say, yes, just believe. He said, look around you, the deaf hear, the blind see, the lame walk the dead are raised with the person of Jesus Christ. We got a glimpse at what the kingdom of God is like. And what we saw is that in the kingdom of God, the problems that we have, the death, disease, sickness, and evil that we have will disappear. That Jesus Christ gave evidence for his resurrection, that we have evidence for the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Jesus, and that we can know that death has been defeated as 1 Corinthians 15 talks about. Jesus not only did it, but he showed it to us, revealed himself to over 500 people, and have, we have the eyewitness testimonies that have been written so that you may know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus cured the problem, showed it to us with visible evidence, and says, now one day I will come back and all death, disease, and sickness will be done away with. And we see what is true when the kingdom of God finally comes back in its full glory. That is amazing good news. That is what we look forward to. And we see that Jesus actually is the cure to our problem. This isn't hateful to believe in truth. That's just simply how it works. And now let's lovingly go out and share the message of Jesus Christ with everyone that is around us so that they too can recognize the goodness of his glory. Thank you so much for listening to Coffee House Questions this week. God bless and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Sip coffee, think deeply. This is Coffee House Questions with Ryan Pauley. I just not hesitate to follow your love. I'm mine.